Hello, and welcome back to another installment of Modern Wealth Management. I'm your host, Ryan Ruff. I've got Ray Kramer and Derek Hutchins standing by. They'll be joining me momentarily. But look, hey, we want to thank you for finding your way back here to the show. If you're joining us this morning on the Facebook live stream, or if you're listening or watching to this after the fact on a different platform, all the same, happy to have you with us uh, for another great conversation today. Uh, As I'm sure you know, each episode, we dive into a different complex financial topic, usually pertaining to wealth planning as a whole and as well as Derek and Ray's dealings over there at Monon Wealth Management. But today we've got a really interesting topic lined up for you, and it's really all about the wealth manager specifically. What makes a wealth an elite wealth manager that is truly elite? We're going to be exploring those characteristics, those traits, those uh, strategies that they should be implementing uh, to make sure that you, our audience, the consumer, is making the right decision on the wealth manager you are working with. So that being said, let's go ahead and bring Derek and Ray out to get today's conversation started. Derek, Ray, how are you guys doing this morning? Good to see you. Hey, it's great to see you, Ryan. We're always excited to do these shows and uh, fantastic to see you again. Yep, good to see you. And I'm even on a little mini vacation in Milwaukee, but I'm glad to join us. (laughs) Dedication to the craft. I love it. There we go. Uh, Well, hey, guys. Yeah. Cool thing about all this technology, right? Right. Seriously. Yeah, we've got you guys. Well, I think all three of us are in separate states at the moment, so... Great yeah. to see. Yep. Um, well, all right, guys. Hey, let's get let's get rolling in on our, our conversation today. I think uh, I think we've we've skimmed the surface of this before, but I like that today we're going to kind of take a deep dive on the wealth manager themselves. You guys, really. So, topic is elite wealth managers. What makes them truly elite? Let's start by first just acknowledging the fact that there are a lot of financial professionals, uh, you know, out there that call themselves elite or world-class how are people the layman the average consumer that's looking to pick a wealth manager how are they supposed to go about unveiling whether or not this person this wealth manager they're considering truly walks the walk talks the talk lives up to that world-class or that elite reputation that they claim to have Derek I'll throw this one over to you to kind of get us rocking and rolling today okay well you know when we're when we're approaching this topic I think Ryan first and foremost what we need to do is acknowledge uh, wealth management. And uh, clearly there's a lot of advisors that wanna put wealth management on their business cards, their websites and so forth. Um, I mean, it, it's an attractive sounding title, but in reality, you know, you need, you need more than a title and a desire to do well, uh, to do a great job for your clients. Uh, to find an elite wealth manager, uh, first and foremost, you got to make sure you're working with a wealth manager in the first place. So to first, uh, you know, first to set that up, what we got to do is define what wealth management really is. And in our world, wealth management consists of three different aspects, Um, investment consulting, advanced planning, and then relationship management unless you have all three of those parts you're not uh, you're not fulfilling the first part of elite wealth management which is wealth management (laughs) as a starter right ray anything to chime in there yeah you know derek and i struggled for years on what do we call ourselves you know if i look back at my stack of business cards that i've had going back almost 20 years it said broker it said investment consultant (laughs) <laughs> it said financial advisor. It said manager. And, Investment executive. You 
investment executive. And, you know, for a long time, he and I talked about like, what do we say we do when we meet somebody and you say, hey, I'm a financial advisor and, and people, you know, immediately change the topic. But, you know, when, when you focus on the wealth management piece and make that the front and center, and it's not a uh, coincidence that we named our firm Moan on Wealth Management, is because that's what we started focusing on seven years ago, where you put the client first it's less about us and, you know, wealth management encompasses all those things he talked about. Right. So guys, I'd like to take a deeper dive into those three elements really that, that Derek had just mentioned. First and foremost, just investment management. What does this look like, uh, you know, when looking at the true wealth management approach? Well, you know, investment management is, I would say the primary aspect of of what people think of when they think of wealth management. Okay. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, uh, people think of us, of, uh, as in, you know, managing their liquid investments. And, um, you know, you know, I would say that most people who describe themselves as a wealth manager certainly play this role for their clients. Uh, Ray and I have, have helped clients with their investment allocations, their, their portfolios now for well over 20 years, even before we were true wealth managers. Uh, this was a, a, a part of our a part of our role. You know, when we're talking about investment management, what we're really talking about is helping people make good decisions with the money that they already have. And you know, there's some different parts of that. Um, we employ a lot of different strategies and bring in even outside consultants to make sure that we're offering the best of the best as it relates to helping people make those good decisions with their investment dollars. And, but, you know, really most, uh, most of it comes down to three different aspects. And certainly it starts off with asset allocation and that's balancing um, risk and return by spreading the assets out across multiple uh, different kinds of things. Uh, you know, different asset classes. The second part of that is is choosing good investment products. And, um, you know, sometimes we help our clients pick out individual stocks and bonds, but more often than not, we're helping our clients pick out great money managers who are real specialists in their specific aspects of the market. So I'm really interested, you know, if I want to if I want to add technology stocks to a, a client's portfolio, I want to bring in the absolute best um, technology stock picker that we possibly can. And so, and through some resources that we've uh, that we've brought in, we certainly have access to that. And then the last, you know, the last aspect of it is is rebalancing. Rebalancing is so so important. And that's just the acknowledgement that things move um, uh, independent of one another. If we go back to March of 2020, uh, we had uh, just gone through the first month of COVID. We recognized that we were truly in a pandemic. And from the beginning of the month through the end of the month, stocks had dropped by about a third. Uh, while some people might have run from that, rebalancing forces us or gives us the opportunity, depending upon how you look at it, to uh, use that as a buying opportunity and sell some things that maybe hadn't gone down over the course of that month 
and buy into those lower stock prices. But in my experience, um, almost all self-identified wealth managers uh, provide investment management. And obviously, some just do it better than others. <laughs> Ray, anything uh, on this front? Yeah, Derek brought up a couple of good points. And one of my favorite things I tell people is in life, the stock market is the only thing that people don't like to buy, buy when it's on sale. You know, when, when we buy a car, when we buy a pair of jeans, we're always looking for a sale. And, and Derek was right. You know, if we go back a year ago when the thought of the world shutting down, including New York City, and I remember Derek brought that up. I was like, you're crazy. We're never going to shut down New York City. Uh, you know, the market was it, it. It took a lot of a lot of soul searching, a lot of guts. But we realized, like, look, this is a time to move some assets around, make some tweaks. And it really paid off well. And this is not something that we have a crystal ball, but having an active management strategy as opposed to what a lot of people are taught in the industry, including ourselves. And it took about 15 years for us to unwind this a little bit is getting away from packaged products that you, you know, I've seen advisors over the years, five minutes into a conversation, they're handing out uh, portfolio information and, and, and investment slicks uh, to say, Hey, here's what I got and focusing on, you know, what the YTB was, which is the yield to broker and everything has been commoditized in our industry. So, you know, investment pro uh, products, you know, there's a million of them out there. So what we, we do is try to focus on providing the lowest cost uh, and the best options in each category. And then by charging a management fee, uh, we grow as the client grows. So it puts us all on the same side of the table as opposed to focusing on what we're making. And in the long run, that really pays off and helps us make better decisions. Roger that. And guys, you know, investment planning, yes, obviously plays a massive role in what you do, you know, in terms of wealth management as a whole. But the other components that Derek had mentioned earlier, you know, basically what we're saying is investment planning alone isn't enough to get this job done properly. Like the truly elite wealth managers do today, there has to be a wealth planning component of it as well that obviously factors in, you know, the individual's goals, the relationship as a whole. Derek, why don't you talk to me a little bit about this part of it too? Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, uh, you know, in the hierarchy of people in our profession, I'd say it starts off as an investment advisor, then moves up to financial advisor, and then you get into wealth manager. And, um, you know, at, at every step, you're helping the client make good decisions with their investment dollars. But at the level that a wealth manager and certainly an elite wealth manager is playing, you need to be helping with a lot more than just the investments. Um, that I would almost say that that's table stakes at this at this level of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so most a lot of the work that Ray and I are working with our clients on is what we categorize as advanced planning. Some call it wealth planning. We call it advanced planning, and <clears throat> that's really where we are helping our clients mitigate. Uh, the other risks in their life, proactively bringing them solutions to maybe problems that they don't even know that they have. And, and, and I know we're going to go into the different aspects of advanced planning and some of the different uh, characteristics that that involves, some of the different avenues that we play in there. 
But um, you know, at, at, at a you know at a at a core, it's really the you know the legal strategies and the financial products that um, that 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 bring a, a long peace of mind and really the opportunity to move up the tier very quickly for many of our clients. Sure. So I'd love to get into that, Derek. You know, you mentioned advanced planning is kind of the yep. the you know, the term that you and Ray utilize over at Monon, uh, what do you mean by this? And, you know, in terms of going beyond simply investing, walk me through what these, uh, these avenues look like. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, the, the different avenues of advanced planning truthfully can be limitless, but usually we're talking about, uh, we're talking about four main things. And the first one is what we call wealth enhancement and wealth enhancement in our world is the mitigation of taxes everybody's got to pay taxes we want our clients to pay the absolute uh, le uh least that they possibly uh can or are legally obligated to mm -hmm. the second part is uh wealth transfer okay and wealth transfer usually involves estate planning and helping you get your assets to the people and the things that you love the most when it's time for you to move on okay and, um, and, you know, we don't care what your preference is as far as who you want your money to go to. We just want it to go as efficiently and as easily and as less taxed as it possibly can. The, the third aspect is, is really wealth protection, and that's helping our clients get, our, get their arms around the money that they've already accumulated and making sure that it can never be taken from them unjustly. You know, in today's world, uh, we, we like to sue each other, okay? <laughs> and so one of the things that Ray and I work on really hard is to make sure that a client who's already won in life never has to give that money up, maybe because of, um, you know, a lawsuit or, or even a, a divorce. You know, those are the two things that, that really that, that cause, cause people a lot of money. The last aspect of advanced planning is, is charitable tax planning. The tax code, um, uh, it, it really fosters philanthropy and there's some different avenues that clients can take to really magnify their charitable gifts to whatever extent they're charitable. Uh, where, you know, that's not our choice, but once we identify that a, a client is charitable, we want to magnify that for, for their benefit as well as the benefit of, of the, the charity. You know, in reality, there's a lot of different specialties out there and uh, some of them cross different paths and we might be able to, um, you know, for example, estate planning may fall, you know, may fall into the category of both tax and wealth transfer. So, you know, some of these things cross paths and then obviously for some of our clients, they have needs and issues that are outside of this scope, whether it's uh, taking a look at um, uh, you know, different doctors and introducing them to different medical practices. Uh, th there's other things around this advanced planning, but those are the four major ones. And Ray, what do you, you know, I know this is a pretty robust process. What do you see on your end of this? I, I want to focus on one area that Derek touched on, but it touches on almost all four areas he discussed, which is taxes. 
Um, I mean, lately, every single conversation I'm having revolves around taxes. And if we look at the average retiree right now, for every retiree who's got a million dollars, chances are 80% of it is pre-tax dollars. So how do you unwind that? How do you keep those tax dollars most efficiently within your family as opposed to going back to the government? You know, the RMD rules have changed over the last, uh, the past year. Uh, where beneficiary, you can delay your RMD by another year and a half, but your beneficiaries then have to pay taxes within 10 years instead of stretching it over their life. And most retirees today or, or pre-retirees, they forfeited the pension and now they've got the 401k. So it's a big tax issue. And you know whether they're looking at doing a Roth conversion to make things tax-free, uh, gifting money to kids, gifting to charity, you know, a lot of it revolves around the taxes and everybody's afraid taxes are going to go up. Mm -hmm. uh, we keep spending money as a country. Um, you know, we have an idea where it's coming from, but, you know, who knows? But, you know, we're doing a lot of spending and, and you know, do we expect tax rates to go up or down? And the consensus is tax will eventually go up. So, you know, Derek and I take this to heart on really looking at these IRAs and our amount of Roth conversions over the past couple of years have gone way up and will only continue to do so. But that is probably the number one big thing. And we work along with our clients and their CPAs, you know, whether it's a CPA we work with directly or not, but we will work with them to come up with the best strategy so that they don't have to try to figure it out themselves. Got it. Guys, I love that you simplify it in that term advanced planning because a lot goes under that umbrella. So I appreciate you walking us through that. And that really what that all tells me as a consumer is that that's what I should be looking for, really, to ensure that I am working with a competent wealth manager, somebody that walks the walk, talks the talk. But if I'm if I'm the layman and I'm looking for the 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 truly elite wealth manager, and this kind of brings me to my fifth question here, uh, you know, what what should I be looking for? What do I want to find in a wealth manager that is at that quote unquote elite level. What's that look like? Well, as you remember, uh, as you remember, Ryan, there were three parts to being a wealth manager. Mm -hmm. There was the investment management, the advanced planning, and then the third part, which we called relationship management. We've also in previous, um, uh, some of these conversations, we, we've called it the human element. You see, the having the relationship with the client and really understanding who they are, what they want, what they value, and why that's so important to them is really the secret sauce. Mm -hmm. That's what helps a wealth manager become elite. There isn't any product or financial strategy that's out there today that is unique to any one advisory group. Every stock, every bond, every mutual fund, every ETF, every tax strategy is more readily available today than at any other point in my career. Mm -hmm. The part that, the thing that clients get from an elite elite wealth manager and the thing that makes an elite wealth manager is sitting on the same side of the table as the client looking at the world of opportunities from the client's perspective and being able to hand pick those opportunities as they fit 
into the client situation. And if you don't have, if, if a wealth manager does not have a great relationship professionally and oftentimes very personally with the client, you're just not going to understand what the best strategies are and where those opportunities, uh, where those opportunities can fit in. So Derek, and I, I would imagine it's probably safe to say that this is just not the case with all wealth managers these days to really incorporate that human element. They're just maybe looking at the products and services that they can offer. I, I Unfortunately, you're a hundred percent correct. Okay. Um, th what I just described to you, which is really, you know, viewing the world from the client's eyes, after you really have a relationship built with them and you understand who they are as people, unfortunately, that is not the way that the majority of our industry handles things. Oftentimes in our business, you have uh, people who come, you know, come to the client with a specific product or a specific financial strategy. And kind of like if you are, well, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, that's exactly the way that the majority of our industry views clients. Mm -hmm. If you're an annuity salesperson, everybody looks like an annuity prospect. And that's just not the way it should be. And Ray, in terms of your personal experiences in developing these relationships with clients, where does where do you see this whole topic? Yeah. This was one of the main reasons why Derek and I broke away from corporate America to start our business. If you want to put the client first and truly be a fiduciary, which is a, a term that gets tossed around in our industry, but to be true, a true fiduciary, you need time. And in order to have time, you can't have somebody sitting over your shoulder asking what your numbers were today. Mm-hmm. And how much did you sell? And, and and what Derek described is if you're the hammer, everything looks like a nail. We've been there. You know, uh, it, we used to joke that if we didn't, you know, sell somebody something in the first appointment, we were failures. And we realized we weren't going to make an impact with people's lives in this advanced planning unless we had the time to do it ourselves. And the rewards didn't come for a while. And it was very hard. Uh, but sticking to that process and putting the client in the center, you know, all we have is our clients. That's the only way we make money. Um, and if they do bad, we do bad. So it really ties us to the hip with them to take this journey together and to succeed together. And that takes time and a willingness to dedicate to, to the craft that we built. I love that. And guys, could you, could you maybe share like an example with me of, of, you know, a, a particular client? I mean, we don't have to name names or anything, but maybe an example of, of what, you know, what it was like providing them the services, but then also establishing that human element, developing that relationship, and then really forging a successful relationship as a whole, uh, you know, both personally and professionally with a given client. Do you have an example you could share with us? Well, I'll tell you, Ryan, for all of our clients, we go through a multi-step process that, that requires both us and the client to be very open with each other um, and expose what our uh, our biggest wants and our biggest fears are and really where we're trying to move forward. 
Um, I can tell you that, uh, you know, one client in particular, uh, she recently moved down to Charleston. And while I was in Charleston, we did a, what we like to call a rediscovery meeting, which is really just spending some time together and making sure that we have a really clear understanding of, of who they are today. You know, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I'm, I'm different today than I was five years ago and, and certainly 10 years ago. <laughs> so as we're spending time with, as I was spending time with this particular client down in Charleston, it was very clear to me that, um, that her wishes had changed as it related to her estate planning. Now she's significantly uh, older than I am and um, she's you know, later on in life. And this is a, a primary focus of, of her conversation nowadays. And of course, uh, because she'd been a client, I was very, very aware of what she had already done as it related to her estate planning. And through that conversation, it was clear that those plans no longer expressed her wishes. And so we've worked really hard since then to re-clarify the goals of her estate planning and are now going through the process of correcting some of the, some of the paperwork so that you know, when she does pass away, exactly what she wants to have happen will in fact happen. Ray, what do and you see I'll, on this front? Yeah, I'll just add in just as, as I look across our book of business and the best clients that Derek and I have, they all started small and they built over a series of years. So Derek's biggest client, I know he's talking about, he knows my biggest clients, you know, my, one of my biggest clients, I, I, he's been with me for 10 years and it really just paid off in the last couple because I spotted the opportunity. Um, I walked alongside this client, uh, to get them to retirement and the payoff was in uh, the assets that were, were at work. Uh, so, you know, in many scenarios, again, going back to the way things used to be done, if you, if you try to go for as much as you can right away, it doesn't work. So we're willing to put in the time and, and go through the process to get them what they want uh, for, for a delayed, you know, satisfaction, if you, if you will. Sure. And guys, kind of to bring our conversation to a head here today, really, I want to get your kind of overarching total final thoughts. I kind of want you to bottom line it for our audience at this point, you know, what it truly means to be that elite wealth manager. We've talked about a lot of different facets and skills and character traits that should be incorporated within not only just a, you know, the average Joe wealth manager, but then what truly makes a wealth manager elite. Could you bottom line it for us uh, and then, you know, kind of maybe walk me through how it is and why it is that you guys feel this way and go about your business like this at Monon. Yeah, I, I will. You know, you know, again, I'm going to go right back to that formula that we talked about, Ryan, and that mm -hmm. is that being an elite wealth manager is a combination of fantastic investment management, very, very technically adept, advanced planning, but then what brings it all together is developing really powerful personal relationships with the clients and everybody else that's on the team. That's what makes wealth managers truly elite. 
Um, I don't want to discount that investment management has to be excellent. Quite frankly, I spend the majority of every single day making sure that our clients are doing as well by their investments as they possibly can. I also spend a tremendous amount of time making sure that technically every single aspect of their advanced planning is right on point and that they're using the best in class and the, the most elite resources that we possibly can to accomplish their most important goals. But the only way that I can put all this together and really make it elite and personalized for that specific client and make sure that they're not missing out on any opportunities is by having a fantastic personal and professional relationship with them and really being able to view the world from their eyes. You know, you know, people talk about being a fiduciary. Well, in my world, the definition of being a fiduciary is viewing the world from the client's eyes and doing for them as you would do for yourself if you were in their shoes. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Ray and I are working so hard to do every day. And clients should demand that from their wealth manager. And Ray, I, what do you I agree. Yeah, I agree completely. And I don't actually, he said that so well, I'm almost hesitant to add anything to it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, when I realize I'm doing a good job is if I'm meeting with a client for an hour, hour and a half, and we spend five to 10 minutes on the investments and we spend the rest of the time talking about their life and their goals, you know, that to me tells me I'm doing a good job. If, if you have an investment advisor, that you go to their office and you cringe because you're gonna, you know, it's gonna be an hour's worth of sales pitches and charts and earnings breakdowns. That's, you know, to the average person, that's not important. The importance right. is how do they maximize the fun in their retirement and are they gonna run out of money? So, you know, by focusing on that, that gives me um, a lot of confidence in, in our process to know that when people come in, they're asking us about every aspect of their life and to help them guide through it. And that's when I know that we're doing a good job. Well, guys, look, I, I love today's conversation. Not only do we get to kind of hammer home what makes that elite wealth manager truly elite, but also we get the opportunity to kind of peel back the curtain, learn a little bit more about how you guys operate on a daily basis over at Monon and the types of, of you know efforts and, and traits that you pour into your relationships with clients. And and then, it, it, you know, it's nice for you guys to also share some opportunities, you know, to to kind of look back really and, and get a sense of, of where things were when you first started and how really that the idea of incorporating the human element and making a true impact is, has really carried through the last seven years for you guys. So look, I, I appreciate you taking the time this morning to kind of peel back that curtain, if you will, uh, looking forward to the next conversation already guys. Thanks Ryan. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Appreciate it. Nope. Absolutely. And hey, look, we want to thank you, our audience, our viewers for joining us for today's show. If you liked what you saw, you liked what you heard, feel free to comment, subscribe, share this information with friends, family, you know, these, the, the stress testing process that, you know, the wealth manager characteristics, these are great conversations that we have, uh, you know, new topics that we're going to hit each time we get together and we'd love to have you aboard for the next one. So for Derek Hutchins and Ray Kramer, I'm Ryan Ruff saying so long and we thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of Modern Wealth Management.